But ultimately, what got down to my ears was, we're all going to die. It's going to be a catastrophe. <laughs> the world is literally right. going to end. So you know, this is this is Y2K all over again. <laughs> There's a weird tension, balance, you know, a dissonance. I even between what people need to know and need to be worried about, and what people are uh, worried about, and what people do know. I hear you with that. I disagree fundamentally, mainly because <laughs> really. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Cyber Guys podcast, the cybersecurity podcast for everybody. I'm Andrew Valencia, joined as always by Mike Hill. And today we're looking at the World Economic Forum cybersecurity outlook for 2023 that spawned such headlines like catastrophic mutating event will strike the next two years or catastrophic cyber event in the next two years guaranteed. But first, please hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Hit that like button. And if this is your first time joining us, welcome. Thanks for joining us. And if you're coming back, welcome on back. All right, let's jump into it. Andrew, this is going to be a great topic today because everyone in our space, all of our customers, everyone who is a consumer of cybersecurity is quick to think that cybersecurity professionals are all about scaring you, being calamity howlers, end of the world is nigh type stuff. So let's break down uh, the latest iteration of this very thing. This is going to be good. Yeah. So every year, the World Economic Forum comes together. They typically uh, come out with a report. As they, they title the Cybersecurity Outlook for the, the next 12 months, the next year. And in it, it details a lot of the research that they've done, what they see at a global scale. And recently, if you've looked in the headlines, you'll see that there have been quite a lot of headlines that state World Economic Forum or Davos 2023, you know, uh, states cat catastrophe, cybersecurity catastrophe, cybersecurity apocalypse. Uh, popular mechanics had a catastrophic mutating event will strike the world in two years, report says. So the question we ask today is, is that accurate? Is that even if it is accurate, is it helpful or does it contribute to something that we've talked about before? Security fatigue. So you know this is this is Y2K all over again. <laughs> I don't know that it's Y2K all over again. And here's here's the only reason why I disagree. I don't know that there is a disagreement among experts that yes, the risk is there for what we would consider catastrophic or heavily impactful cybersecurity threats out there. Here's why I say it's it's like Y2K all over again. You know, anyone in the 90s when when, when I was really uh, uh, just getting into the cybersecurity space, but was already, you know, having been in IT and, and being a computer scientist for a while, in the mid 90s, a light bulb went off in the minds of a lot of people that, hey, we've built all these computer systems critical infrastructure computer systems with only a two-digit date for the year. If we get to 
zero, zero, all of those systems are going to malfunction. That was the awareness that everyone came into. And that's what led the panic. And the truth is some of the things that could have happened when uh, the year flipped to 2000 could have happened. Uh, but it was a matter of how well prepared everyone was. Those organizations that prepared, Y2K, no big deal at all. And it was overblown. And all the calamity howlers were shown to be, you know, really just being excessive. But for organizations that did not update their computer systems, they did find and have catastrophic failures. It's just we took it seriously. And by taking it seriously, the catastrophe was averted. And, and that's the thing that I'm getting from this Davos. If, if everyone stays with the status quo, yes, there could be some truly catastrophic cyber events. But is that really going to be what happens? Well, I'm, I'm so glad you actually brought up Y2K because I, I feel like I have a very nuanced view on this because I'm a, a little bit younger than you. And when Y2K <laughs> was going on, I was not a cyber in cybersecurity. I wasn't in, even in IT. I was still in school. So everything that came to me about Y2K was planes are going to fall out of the sky and nuclear power plants are going to blow up and we're going to lose power. Our cars aren't going to work anymore. The internet's not going to work. Even in 2000, that was still in 1999. It was still in its infancy. I, I had gone on the internet probably, you know, 50 times at that point on the family PC. But ultimately, what got down to my ears was we're all going to die. It's going to be a catastrophe. <laughs> the world is literally right. going to end. So when I look at these reports that come out of Davos, that yes, the highlights are there, that there is significant risk of a cybersecurity catastrophe happening in the next year. Any subject matter expert is, we understand that there, the risk is there, but to the layman, what they're hearing is, oh my God, we're all going to die, right? So the question, <laughs> right. I think we look at that, when we look at those statements and we look at a lot of the, the, the journalism that is around cybersecurity as a whole, we look at it with very, very like it, these hot button issues that have clickable headlines that create a lot of buzz and for the layman and some of the subject matter experts alike can cause undue panic or even worse, honestly, uh, a certain fatigue, right? Or a... Yeah. yeah. And well, anytime we're hyperbolic, anytime people are making hyperbolic statements, you know, you're, you're going to sometimes get a backlash to that. But, you know, as we've talked about many times on our show, there is a weird tension, balance, you know, dissonance, I even between what people need to know and need to be worried about and what people are uh, worried about and what people do know. And, and that's why, again, you know, like I said, I was there for Y2K. The people who understood what needed to be done and who actually had their people do what needed to be done, it was no big deal. And we didn't get planes falling out of the sky. We didn't get the uh, ultimate uh, catastrophes that even though some of that stuff was even overstated then, some of it, particularly in the financial realm, some of that stuff was very, very real. It was very viable uh, that it could have happened. And it's similarly the case with, with what's coming out of Davos. Uh, 
if we don't improve cybersecurity infrastructure and even the psychology of developing and maintaining security on systems and the need for it, if that doesn't change, uh, then we are just one good hack away from something that would be potentially devastating to either the economy, uh, the critical infrastructure, or, or something uh, something else, maybe something worse. But let's take a look. I mean, what 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 did they say? Yeah. So I mean, like, I think that I think the important thing to remember about the World Economic Forum's cybersecurity outlook for 2023 is the things that don't make the headlines, right? First and foremost, I mean, I, I would love to go through, they had a panel uh, called Protecting Cyberspace Amid Exponential Change. And of course, the baseline of all of, of the argument here is that the cybersecurity space is ever evolving, right? The threat landscape is evolving almost at an exponential rate, right? So yes, there's cause for concern. Now, before we go through all the bad, oh God, the world's going to end and planes are going to fall out of the sky, you know, gas pipelines are going to blow up. I think it's actually important to look at some of the positives that have come out of this, right? So the cybersecurity outlook, the report that they've published, which, you know, we'll link down in, in the description below, had some actual uh, positive spots. One of the ones I want to talk about is the state of communication between cybersecurity experts and business leaders. And overall, and we'll put this up on the screen so, so you can see it, but overall, we've seen an increase in not only Big awareness of cybersecurity risks, but an overall increase in the understanding and acceptance of the importance of cybersecurity. Which that's that's a big win, big win for our guys. <laughs> big big Yay, win, right? Because that was not the case, and, uh, even recently. It was right, and, so no, that's, and that's that a big a win, big shift in the past year. Uh, right, that essentially we have we have gained ground in the conversation between business leaders and cybersecurity experts. We have come together more so than we have in the past. Now, I, I don't get me wrong. The numbers aren't great. We're not even- uh, It's just you know, better. It's just but better. It's better. So let's bring that up. So right now, uh, there is consensus amongst business leaders and cybersecurity experts and cybersecurity leaders that, you know, with regards to them both strongly agreeing to sector-wide or the need for sector-wide regulatory enforcement that would increase cyber resilience. What does that mean, right? More regulations, more laws, more need for governance and compliance, right? So 17% of cyber leaders and 29% of business leaders agree on that. That's a lot more than that than has been in the past. Now, Mike yes. and I, but we, but we have to be honest, though, even even though it's more than what used to be passed, both of those are minorities, not majorities, <laughs> uh, but it's pr improvement. So, you know, we, we, we take our wins where we can. So I'm trying to be an optimist on this one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. ultimately, I mean, you, you, you got to look at the inverse of the number. I mean, the, the other side of that number is 70 percent. No, 70 <laughs> you know, percent I mean, either agree or neither agree or I'm sorry, neither agree or nor disagree or disagree or strongly disagree with that sentiment, 
there's 70 some odd percent of business leaders out there that, that, that do not think we need more governance compliance in the cybersecurity industry. That is a, that's a big problem. That's something that, you know, Mike, you and I run into quite often, right? Is when we talk to business leaders and we explain the importance of here are the cyber risks, here's the threat landscape, here's what we recommend you do to safeguard your operations. A lot of times that takes a back seat to the operations themselves. Yeah. Well, and it's because it's it's viewed as something separate. You know, it's viewed as something new you have to do, some some regulatory burden that's being add, added to their uh, heavy workload as it is or, or, or their heavy operational need as it is. So that's, you know, part of the problem that, that you get, you know, a, a number in the 70 percent range that's not on board um, because they don't see it. And part of that, you you, you got to take on our industry. I mean, we, we have the problem in our business of people not thinking business, not thinking in terms of how cybersecurity supports mission objectives, business objectives, profit motive, whatever it is, you know, you know, it's, it's just like the old thing we talked about last time, you know, not appreciating that availability is the core thing that we're really there to provide and protect, not just confidentiality and integrity, you know, but, but because sometimes as an industry, we fail to give proper recognition to the business priorities. We don't communicate it in those terms well enough or often enough. So we haven't, you know, convinced that other 70% the way we need to. But it's still good to see the improvement. Right. And and that's why reports like this or headlines, quite honestly, where, you know, catastrophe, apocalypse, you know, massive disruptions, all those doomsday headlines are a detriment to cybersecurity professionals like us, because the laymen see those headlines. They are not going to go look at the, the Davos report in depth. They're not going to read 36 pages on what the World Economic Forum sees as the cybersecurity landscape 12 months out. They're not going to look at that. What they are going to see are those headlines with those very, very you know minor takeaways or the worst you know case scenarios that are put into those reports that's what they're going to well, see. Sensationalism. Sensationalism is always, yeah. you know, cornerstone of media. So. And, and that's unfortunately where we come into, you know, how we go about communicating cybersecurity risk and the reality that is posed by the threat landscape that's out there now. So how do we fix that? How do we discuss that with business leaders and laymen alike? Yeah. You know, I, that's something that... that we do a lot in our consulting group and without plugging our business too much. Uh, one of my big mantras is right sizing, not repeating. You know, the idea that we're just going to take rules and arbitrarily apply them to every organization, it's just not the way to do it. Right sizing the solution for what each organization needs is, is the only way to get the necessary buy-in. But that's not the, the status of our, of our industry right now. Our industry is heavily, heavily driven by two factors, technology and regulation. So you're either implementing the latest technology or you're burdened by the latest regulation. But the reality is everybody needs cybersecurity. And most organizations, small businesses, mid-sized businesses, and everybody else is somewhere in between. They may, may not be a regulatory 
uh, regulated industry. Uh, they may not be able to afford, you know, the latest, greatest AI driven uh, predictive analytic cybersecurity threat hunting software. But everybody still needs it. And the thing is, they shouldn't feel burdened with this huge uh, monstrosity of uh, best practices, but rather should be able to find the right size solution that's adequate to their needs and that meets their goals. That's really what uh, is, is often missing. And, and, and that, that's the piece that, you know, I, I've been focusing a lot on. We've been focusing a lot on with our, with our business to, to help organizations get the pieces of uh, these best practices that fit them, that work for them, that they need. Yeah, that's always the risk between governance and compliance, right? Is there is always a risk of turning any type of governance or compliance exercise into um, a box check game, right? Where you simply follow right. a list of instructions or a list of regulations and are more focused on doing whatever it takes to check the box as opposed to actually implementing cybersecurity best practices and standards. There's a very big difference. And the more regulation you have, the more bureaucracy that gets involved and the less likely you're able to put resources behind implementing sound cybersecurity practices. Uh, and the le more likely you are to put resources behind, we got to check these boxes. We got to get through this process. We got to score whatever we, we can, you know, whatever threshold there is for compliance on this specific regulation. So it's twofold, right? There is the need uh, for regulation. There's the need for additional compliance and business leaders are beginning to understand the importance of that. But at the same time, you know, cybersecurity leaders, cybersecurity SMEs, consultants like us, we have the, 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 the need to really, we, we have the responsibility to communicate real world application of cybersecurity, right? The need, the risk, the actual threat landscape that's out there and how just checking a box just won't simply pass muster. Right, exactly. So I do right. want to go through some of these headlines. I do want to show you some of, I don't want to boil it down to fear mongering because that sounds like I'm being reductive, but quite honestly, there, I mean, let me share with you the actual <laughs> screenshot on the Daily Star's article on the World Economic Forum cybersecurity report. <laughs> All right, it, it doesn't doesn't look good when you start off with guys in, uh, That's in these biohazard suits. I mean, the picture of guys in biohazard suits. Okay, that's the first thing you see. Guys in biohazard suits. I mean, what, what, what are they dealing with? A radiation leak? I mean, and and, and I guess that's the point, you know. You know, a, a nuclear meltdown caused by a cyber attack. That's that's the idea that they're really pushing here. But my goodness, right? Yeah, that's that's ridiculous, right? I mean, you, it goes on to like further catastrophize this scenario, right? Where like quote some worry that a worldwide cyber attack could cause quote apocalyptic scenarios due to the fall of critical infrastructure. Now, don't get me wrong. Critical infrastructure is in sore need of a boost in cyber defense. That that doesn't mean it's not being no done. Yeah, 
doesn't mean it's not being done. I mean, that that was the whole reason why NIST turned their attention to the private sector with with the cybersecurity framework. That's the whole reason uh, <laughs> that guidance has been given from the government, and even new regulations have been applied. But yeah, you you show uh, this this uh, colorful drawing of of um, deadly viruses and guys in biohazard suits and say, "Ooh, what if they hacked into uh, a place where they're experimenting and studying the most deadly viruses in existence?" And all of a sudden, now that's been contaminated uh, contaminated the uh, the water table, and, and and now it's spreading from patient zero around the world, all because of a hack, a cyber attack that targeted these bioresearch facilities. Okay, yeah, that's that's a scary thing. Sure, put it on the cover. Why not? Come on, man. That's that's sensationalism at its worst. It's not great. And then when you actually like peek back behind what we're talking about here, yeah, this is a quote from the Albanian prime minister that you know. Basically, they're saying, hey, the societal collapse from a catastrophic cyber attack could be worse than what we saw with COVID-19. And I know every cybersecurity SME that hears that goes, duh. Like, <laughs> we, kn we know that. It's true. We understand that. We get that. We, we, we have yeah. a full understanding of what could happen. But to the layman, what does that do? Right? What is it doing it, it, except anything but sensationalizing and really catastrophizing something that perhaps doesn't need catastrophizing. Yeah. But you know, the thing is, I, I hate to straddle between two different perspectives on this, but, but I kind of have to, on one hand, when you don't create this level of fear, concern, angst, the motivation to get people off their uh, tuckuses to do something is just not there. You know, I mean, I go back again to uh, Y2K because because I, I lived through it. We, we worked in it. I, you know, I, I worked with uh, Y2K remediation teams. Uh, so, you know, I was in the business. I was right there dealing with it, you know, uh, 25 years ago. But here's the thing. If people were not as, as afraid of what could happen when all those computer systems flipped from nine nine to zero zero, if they weren't made fearful of that, I don't know that we wouldn't have been. I don't know if we wouldn't have been successful. We we may not have been as successful as we were. I mean, lots of money, a lot of attention, a lot of energy went into preventing, you know, the things that were more likely to occur. I mean, there were certain things that were sensationalized. There's just no way those things were going to happen. It was it was an exaggeration uh, designed to just get people, you know, to turn into the news. But at the same time, without that overreach, without that overstep, I don't know that uh, the Y2K team that I worked with would have been properly funded and staffed. So I, I don't know. I, maybe, I, maybe not. I fully understand and appreciate that that viewpoint, 100%. But I think there's something fundamentally different about Y2K versus the cybersecurity risks that we're seeing today. And that's the, the, the responsibility of the everyday user that's involved. Now, back that's true. That's true. But, but let's, let's not miss the more fundamental difference. You see, with Y2K, there was a specific date. We have a deadline. 
there was a clear objective. We have to turn these two-digit dates into four-digit dates or scuttle these systems that you know rely on the two-digit dates. It was very, very clear when it needed to be done and what needed to be done. This is a very different situation. We have amorphous threats coming from countless different directions, and there's no one solution. And yes, like you mentioned, you know, part of it is on the users. But even beyond the users, there is an infinite number of vectors that could uh, be utilized to target some of these critical systems, which makes, frankly, some of this calamity howling even more credible than some of the things people said about Y2K. I hear you with that. I disagree fundamentally, mainly because <laughs> really. Well, we we know that what what is the number one vector of attack when it comes to cybercrime and and to hacking and to breaches? Yeah, phishing, human. users exploiting exploiting the human weakness. Exactly, the everyday user. Some of the very same business leaders that do not think cyber risk is very important to pay attention. <laughs> they are part of the problem, no question. They are part of the problem. And so when you take that and you marry that up with the idea that there's a catastrophe coming, there's not much you can do about it, the problem is systemic, you as an everyday user are going to hear those headlines and go, what, what am I, I do? Yeah, no, I, I take your point. I, I, I do. I, I take your point. Um, but, but my point is really addressing a different side of it, though, you know? And, and, and that's that's the side of why some people who are not as ambivalent also feel like it's hopeless. Because, again, how is the enemy going to attack? Who knows? Yes, will it probably have something to do with the, the vector that's used most often, which is getting an unwary privileged user to give someone, unwittingly give someone access? Obviously, that's the low-hanging fruit, but that's not the only way in, and that's not the only uh, vector. It's the most common vector, and it's the one that certainly should not be tolerated in critical infrastructure systems on any scale, simply by eliminating uh, the role and the connectivity that would create the sort of backdoor uh, that you know a phishing malware in introduced into a system could, could then produce. But that having been said, we still don't really know. So our conversation ran a bit over time. And in order to do this topic any justice, we're going to have to make this a two-parter. So make sure you come back next week for part two. But did you like today's episode? Well, if you did, drop us a like and share with a friend. Also, make sure you're subscribed to the channel so you can get all of the good Cyber Guys content that's coming your way. Uh, leave a comment. Tell us if you agree or disagree down below. And remember, stay safe, be secure. Be sure. We'll see you next time.